It is important to know that Leonardo Ciancili was fiercely protective of her children. After losing 13 of her 17 children before the age of 10, it's no wonder that the four children who remained were treated with the utmost care. So when police came calling accusing her son Giuseppe of murdering three local spinster women, Ciancili immediately confessed to the crime she had worked so hard to conceal from authorities. In fact, not only did she and Sealy confess to the murders, but she described in great detail their aftermath, including boiling the bodies, baking them with the blood, and turning the fat into soap, all of which were shared so generously with her neighbors during afternoon tea. Leonardo Ciancili was not always a monster, though her adolescent life had set her up to be. Before even reaching adulthood, she had attempted suicide twice. Then she married a registry office clerk, who her parents strongly disapproved of as they'd had a more respectable setup in mind. Ciancili claimed that upon her marriage, her mother cursed her, dooming her to a life of misery forevermore. Though there was, of course, no proof, a curse doesn't seem that unlikely when one looks at Ciancili's life after her marriage. A few years into her marriage, Ciancili was imprisoned for fraud, and three years later, her home was destroyed by an earthquake. She got pregnant 17 times, but lost 13 of the children either to miscarriage or illness in their youth. She eventually went to see a fortune teller, a traveling gypsy woman, who did nothing to quell her fears of a curse. In your right hand I see prison, the fortune teller told her. In your left, a criminal asylum. Laboring under the curse she felt was put upon her by her mother and the gypsy fortune teller's prediction, Leonardo Ciancelli became highly superstitious. When her son Giuseppe told her in late 1939 that he was going to join the Italian army, Ciancilli turned to the one thing that she believed would keep her son safe, human sacrifice. She chose her candidate well, a local spinster woman who she thought no one would miss named Faustina Setti. Inviting Setti over under the guise of setting her up with a husband, Ciancilli had her write letters to her family members telling them that she would be visiting the man abroad. Then... She subdued Seti with a drugged wine and murdered her with an axe. From there, she cut Seti into nine pieces and gathered her blood into a basin. In her official statement upon her arrest, she described the thing she did to the body next. I threw the pieces into a pot, added seven kilos of caustic soda, which I had bought to make soap, and stirred the mixture until the pieces dissolved in a thick, dark mush that I poured into several buckets and emptied in a nearby septic tank. As for the blood in the basin, I waited until it had coagulated, dried it in the oven, ground it and mixed it with flour, sugar, chocolate, milk, and eggs, as well as a bit of margarine, kneading all the ingredients together. I made lots of crunchy tea cakes and served them to the ladies who came to visit, though Giuseppe and I also ate them. According to some, Ciancili also took Seti's life savings, which she had received as payment for setting Seti up with a husband. While one would think a single sacrifice would have been sufficient to prevent her son's imminent demise, Leonardo Ciancelli didn't seem to be able to stop at one. Soon after Seti's murder, Ciancelli found another victim, another local familyless woman named Francesca Soavi. Like she had with Seti, Ciancelli convinced Soavi that she had organized a teaching job for her abroad and made her write letters to her friends detailing her trip. And as she had with Seti, she fed her drugged wine killed her with an axe, baked her into tea cakes, and stole her savings. 
Her third victim, however, was where she slipped up. The third victim, Virginia Cacioppo, was a noted soprano whom Cianselli had promised a job working with an impresario in Florence. This time, however, instead of only baking her body into tea cakes and feeding them to her neighbors, Cianselli also melted her flesh down and turned it into soap. She ended up in the pot like the other two. Her flesh was fat and white. When it was melted, I added a bottle of cologne, and after a long time on the boil, I was able to make some most acceptable creamy soap, she said in her statement. I gave bars to neighbors and acquaintances. The cakes, too, were better. That woman was really sweet. Though Cianselli thought she had covered her tracks, she had missed something. Unlike her first two victims, who had little or no family, Cacioppo had a sister-in-law, a very nosy sister-in-law. She didn't believe Capiocho's letters detailing her quick departure and had, in fact, seen her entering Cianselli's home the night she had left. Immediately, she reported the disappearance to the police, who quickly investigated Cianselli. At first, Leonardo Cianselli defended herself, never admitting to any wrongdoing. It was only when the police openly suspected her son, one of the four children she'd worked so hard to protect from the world, that she admitted it was her, and that her son had nothing to do with it. The trial of Cianselli lasted only a few days. She was found guilty of her crimes and granted a 33-year sentence that echoed the gypsy woman's prophecy with eerie accuracy. 33 years in a prison and three years in a criminal asylum. During her final year in the asylum in 1970 at age 79, Leonardo Cianselli died of cerebral apoplexy, a type of intracranial hemorrhage. Her body was returned to her family for burial, but her murder weapons, including the pot that her victims were boiled in, were donated to the Criminology Museum in Rome, Italy. Today, visitors can see her collection of axes and peer inside the vat she used to boil human beings.